0: 8:03 on a Wednesday. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealers today. Uh, hour three of the program, which is going to feature Chris Faber, coming up in just a moment here. Hour three of the program is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound.
1: Visit them on the internet at Campbell-Pound.com. Today, Would we are li- coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintech footwear and orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. I'm sorry, I almost interrupted you. No, you too did you excited. Actually, you actually did interrupt me. I was too excited. Not almost. It happened. To tell you about
0: Friday night's hockey game. It's the Canucks and the Blue Jackets. Do you want to see some of your favorite hockey players like Emil Bemstrom and Eric Robinson?
2: You just made those two names up, didn't They're you? They're real
0: guys. They play for the Columbus Blue Jackets. You can go. We're going to give you tickets. You want to see Blankenberg? My favorite defenseman, Blankenberg? Yeah, you I was you trying to think of him. that
3: one. That was the one name I was trying to think of,
0: Blankenberg. You can, you can see him on Friday night. We're giving away a pair of tickets to the Canucks Blue Jackets game. Friday night, Rogers Arena, 7 o'clock. How do you win the tickets? How do you get entered into this the grandest of grand prize draws? You have to send us a what we learned. You have to text it. 650-650. You have to tell us what you learned over the last 24 hours in sports, and you have to add a ticket emoji to the text. You will be entered into the grand prize draw to see Vladislav Gavrikov and the Columbus Blue Jackets on Friday night at Rogers Arena. Gavrikov, everybody. Gavrikov. Let's go to the phone lines. Chris Faber joins us now on the Alfred and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Canucks Army, Canucks conversation, and he's here now on the Halford and Breath Show. What up, Fabes? All
4: right, guys. Nick Blankenberg. Yep. A, he his best friend plays on the Vancouver Canucks and he owns a house with him. Can you name that Canuck? Take a guess. Oh.
0: Okay. I want to say it's a guy that he played with in college. Is it Dakota Joshua?
4: Close. You are you're, you're on the right track, but it is not Dakota Joshua. It's uh a... how can we be on the right track?
0: I mean the <laughs> Well, you <laughs>
4: He, he played with them uh, in college. He did. Will Lockwood. Thank you. There it is. Will Lockwood owns a house with uh, Nick Blankenberg, and they're their best buds. So he's really excited Nick Blankenberg's coming to town.
1: They're University of Michigan guys, right? Yeah. Okay.
0: How I always mean, remember this.
1: How now. is Will Lockwood? He had to leave the game yesterday. It looked like it might be a concussion or something.
4: Yeah. Not exactly sure. He wasn't available yesterday, and uh, nobody actually really followed up with, uh, with Talk It. So um, hopefully, find something out this morning. Probably see some lines tweeted out and. Uh, I guess we'll go from there. So, yeah, not really an update on him.
0: Yeah, so you mentioned people talking to Tockett after the game. There was a lot of other talking points, all due respect to Will Lockwood's health, but there was a lot of takeaways. Uh, Fabs, you were there. You got to take this in. Tockett gets a win and his debut as Canucks head coach. Uh, There was a lot to unpack because you're really looking under the microscope at every single move and uh, every line change, which came after a 30- to 40-second shift, which I noticed Tockett pointed out on a number of occasions. I digress. In hearing him talk afterwards, watching the game, all of this, what were some of your key takeaways or what was the big takeaway from you uh, from Rick Tockett's first uh, win as head coach of the Vancouver Canucks? Uh,
4: I guess he, he lit a fire underneath uh, Sheldon Dries or Sheldon Dries or Sheldon Dreer or whatever he wants to call him. We'll uh, Sheldon Dries <laughs> definitely had a fire lit underneath of him and, and kind of wanted to show something. I, I thought Dries had a great game. Um, it, it was good to see. You know, a couple of these guys that like I thought Dakota Joshua had a really good start to the season. I thought he slowed down quite a bit and you're going to start to see some players probably play some different roles and get different opportunities. And I think Dakota Joshua was one of those guys who starts in the bottom of the lineup and, and ends up getting moved up as the game goes on. And something that we heard from from Rick Talkett last night that. Um, We didn't see a ton of under Bruce Boudreaux was like, you know, talk it felt that a player was going and he talked about Dakota Joshua being the guy that he liked the energy and he thought he was going that night and then started to give him opportunities playing with JT Miller, playing with Connor Garland. I mean, it, it was kind of something that we haven't heard or seen in a long time where you get that lineup sheet at the start of the game and it felt like, you know, late in the first period, you're already seeing a mix of quite a bit of different things. And it was kind of something that talk, it talked about after the game was just, you know, he had a hunch on certain players and he was putting them in different situations because of how they were playing. So I think that's something we're going to see a lot of. Uh, definitely some, some hunches as the season goes on and some players getting different opportunities from what the lineup sheet says they're going to be in to start the game. So I noticed that yesterday for sure. And, you know, it's not like there was the same four lines stuck together from the first you know drop of the puck to the final horn it just felt like there was a lot of this on the fly changes I'm feeling this guy in this spot Um, but not really a lot of stuff you can kind of take away from like the structure was better it was like no they played the Blackhawks and the Blackhawks suck man like they're so bad Um, and and I just thought that you know the goaltending was kind of the thing that let them down at times last night and it, it felt like the Canucks just played against a really bad team last night and had a nice little coach bump in that first game. All right, we're putting you on the spot. What should the Canucks do with Kuzmenko? I think they should absolutely trade him. One hundred percent. I think he's going to return you more than a first-round pick. I, I think he's, you know, if he continues to score at this rate, he could be a guy who's at, you know, twenty-five goals by the time he's traded. That's that's a huge return for a player who's making less than a million dollars. And uh, I, I think you can't turn down what kind of returns you're about to get from him, whether you know, it's a first round or a high-end prospect in a second. Like it's, it's something that I don't think you can miss this opportunity. And listen, this is like my favorite guy to go into the locker room and talk with. I think he's an incredible quote. I think he's so much fun, you know, in a loss or everything. Uh, he's a great, great for the fan base to be a fan of. It's just, if you want this team to get closer to being actually competitive for, for a playoff spot, you've got a lot of wingers in your system and you've, don't have a lot of defensemen or draft picks moving forward. And I really think because can either return you, probably not a defenseman, this is probably the type of player that you trade for a draft pick, but you take that draft pick and you turn it into a defense prospect and you go from there. So that's 100% of the camp I'm in.
1: What do you think they will do?
4: I think they're going to sign him. <laughs> I <think> they're going to sign him. Me too. Yeah, I think it's going to be, it'll be interesting to see if they want to go, somewhere in like the five year range around five plus to six and a half million dollars, that kind of area. Or if they want to do two years, I just, I look at both of those and I don't think it's the right move. Like, I don't think, I don't think a one year deal is the right thing to do just because you're kind of putting a lot of pressure, not really pressure, but you're kind of, you're making a weird bet at that point of like, Oh, we want to see him take off so we can pay him $7 million. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's not like the smartest move for a team that's actually retooling. I mean, we've heard this president and general manager both say they want to get players that are 26 and under. And because not going to be 26 and under when you sign him. So it's like the, the thought of trading him or the thought of keeping him and signing him is against everything. This, this management group has talked about. So in my eyes, like they've, they've given us a plan. Jim Rutherford's given us a plan about a retool. Uh, Patrick Alvines talked about the retool now too. And it's like, okay, this is your plan. You have your coach now, like this is all on management now to follow their plan and, you know, do what they've said they're going to do, uh, and kind of indicated to the fan base on this direction of this team. Now it's on them to do it. Like they can't get off of this path and expect to, Oh no, but like this guy might help us compete right now. And we kind of heard uh, Rutherford talked about it when he did his uh, his press availability about the Tanner Pearson thing when he talked about like oh like we need some certain players like JT Miller I was like uh, like that that made me think like okay but like you know that you can get a real nice haul of draft picks and prospects here if you end up trading you know Luke Shen, Horvat, Kuzmenko if you end up moving these three guys like you're really talking about boosting your prospect pool from bottom of the league to likely somewhere in the middle of the league like just from yeah. those three trades there what you're going to get in return is a massive boost and and if you kind of take away a third of that, like, I don't think people really understand. I know a lot of people do, but I really think that, like, fans need to know that Andre Kozmenko is going to get you a massive return because his cap hits so low and he scores goals and does so many good things in the offensive zone. He's going to get a massive return on the trade deadline. It's going to be a first round pick. It might even be more. And that's a huge thing. For this Canucks team moving forward because everybody wants to see you know a defense prospect come in I'd love to see them just you know whoever it be if it's you know Axel Sandeep Pelica out of the out of the SHL or some guy to the OHL that can just play defense for you moving forward like you gotta be able to get a defenseman out of this draft and if you can get a first round defenseman you're really talking about something that the Canucks just haven't drafted really since Quinn Hughes. Like that's, you know, that's not the level of player you're likely to get with a late first round pick. But at least it's something to boost the prospect pool, where it's just absolutely bare there on the back end.
1: I'll be really disappointed if the Canucks don't somehow add another first round draft pick. Just just, just to throw it out there, with all the potential trades that they could make, Horvat, uh, Kuzmenko potentially giving you a first round draft pick. I mean, I think for sure Horvat has the potential. Um, I'm just a little curious about Kuzmenko, um, what his trade value would be just because I wonder if there are GMs out there that are like, yeah, but he's never played in the NHL playoffs. Like, so are we going to give up a first round draft pick? It might depend if they can re-sign him to a long-term contract, but I digress on all that because I want to talk about another player that we discussed earlier in the show. And I usually roll my eyes when I hear the phrase needs a change of scenery, But I don't think I do with Brock Besser. I think this guy needs a change of scenery for multiple reasons. Um, We discussed this earlier, so I want to ask you, Faber. In a better situation, with a change of scenery, maybe in a role that better suits him with more opportunity on power play one, could Brock Besser get his game back?
4: Yeah, the the biggest thing you said there, I think, is the role, right? Like, if this guy... Even when you look around the league and you see a lot of these, you know, even like the Carolina Hurricanes are a very good team. You watch something even like, you know, the the Colorado Avalanche, like these teams would, if they can get him going to just the level that we've seen him at, not even expect more from what you've seen from Brock Besser in his career, but just get at least what you've seen from him so far in his career at some points. And not even like the high point, just like when, when you have a good Brock Besser going. Like He should be a top six player on a lot of teams. If he's used in the role where it's just like, hey, go out there, shoot the puck, make some good passes here and there at 515, and be a guy who we want to see shooting the puck on the power play. That's just not where he is with the Vancouver Canucks. The The role that he's been given with this organization, uh, the money makes it, you know, the money that he signed on that three-year deal makes it sound like he was a player that they wanted to see shoot the puck more and play with top players like Elias Patterson and had that chemistry kind of blossom, but he's not in that role. Like he hasn't been in that role since signing that contract with the Vancouver Canucks. And, and I do think he would have much more opportunity somewhere else. And I think he'd look like a better player. He would look like a consistent top six player if put in the right spot and playing with the right guys. So it's going to come down to, if a team does want to try that with Brock Besser, or have that confidence in him. And I don't think you've lost that completely in the NHL, but you're definitely losing it on a night to night basis with the way the Canucks are putting him out there in certain roles. I mean, you can't you don't want to see Brock Besser be showcased as a third line guy all season long because third line is pretty close to fourth line. And once you're at that point, I really think you're like, oh, paying this guy six million. We don't want like a fourth liner at six million dollars. So uh, I just I don't know the contract so hard because a team really would have to believe that Brock Besser can be a top six guy for them. And they're like I said, there's a lot of really good teams that could like, you know, they, they could use him in a spot where he would be a, a for sure top six player. I just don't know when the time is best to move on from him. If it's at the deadline, if it's in the off season, if it's next off season. So there's a lot of things that can happen before that trade comes to see the value in return for him. I just don't think, uh, I think the biggest thing you mentioned there was like the role. He needs a new role and I don't know where he's going to get it with this Vancouver Canucks team. And then you look at Kuzmenko signing and it's like, you know, like, it's going to be very tough for him to really crack that spot and, and get an opportunity to be the guy who you want to see shooting the puck so much, whether it be a 5-1-5 or on the power play.
0: We're speaking to Chris Faber from Canucks Army and Canucks Conversation here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Faber, how tough was it to focus on the game in Vancouver last night when the Abbotsford Canucks were taking care of business and putting the boots to the hated Toronto Marlies? So a 4 nothing win for Abbotsford last night over Toronto. Uh, you got two goals from Nils Huglander. Uh, another shutout from Arthur Seelovs. It must have been a pretty good night in Abbotsford, even though you weren't there in attendance.
4: Yep, I uh, I still watched the whole game. Uh, got the uh, like the, the phone going down there. So I saw a lot of it, at least all the highlights of it and everything. Cody Severson did a great job for us uh, getting all the, the, the video out as well. So uh, a couple things, like Vasily Colson blocked a shot and went down pretty hard. And I swear the guy's just – I don't know what he's made out of, but it doesn't break because he, like – had to crawl to the bench and then he's like out oh, there on the next shift. Like, it's just, it's wild to see what, uh, how Pod Colson can bounce back. But uh, the Huglander line got mixed up. No more Swedish House Mafia. Uh, so it was a little bit of a different look there. Uh, Huglander got moved into a top six spot, which kind of like, I don't want to say like, totally means that he's coming up soon, but like you move him away from that line that he's been on for a long time to play with kind of top HL players. Like it's sort of an indication that I think we're going to see. Uh, I think we're going to see pod Colson up here very soon. I don't know about, uh about Huglender, but I, I think he's going to be the next guy to come up, but I really expect to see pod Colson here pretty soon, but it was another, it's another really good night for Archer Who's like, you know, arguably one of the better kind of like top three goalies in the HL right now. And that's saying something that's pretty, Pretty positive for a 21-year-old. And, and to get a shutout last night was excellent. It'll be interesting to see if they rock with them again tonight. Like the the Abbotsford Canucks are facing off against the Marlies again tonight. I'll be out there in Abbotsford to, to kind of wrap things up and chat with some of the guys out there as well. Um, so just another great game out there. They got, uh, you know, similar shot totals to what we saw in Vancouver. The Abbotsford Canucks had 45 shots in that game. Uh, but they were also 0 for 7 on the power play. So I'm sure they're working on some things like that. Uh, in the morning, and I expect them to put up another good game against one of the better teams uh, in the AHL in the Toronto Marlies. So, uh, hell of a game last night. Hope they can do it again tonight. It's just wild that it's like, man, break up some games here. Like get Abbotsford and Vancouver playing on separate nights or like different times or something. Because I'm in the press box watching AHL games every damn night here. So <laughs> I'm surprised uh, you're not nice going to be out in, there.
1: I'm surprised you're not going to be in Langley at the top prospects game.
4: I know. Well, that was the thing. It was like, I could drive to Seattle. I could go watch (laughs) Vancouver. I could go to Abbotsford, but it's like, I haven't been to Abbotsford in like a hot minute. So I got to see how these guys are doing. And it's like my... My two week check in that I have to have with Niels Huglander. It's it's funny. Like no matter what happens <laughs> uh, in the game, I'm 100 percent requesting Niels Huglander, Vasily mm-hmm. uh, and probably like Linus Carlson and Niels Amon. Like I've told the Pierre guy, like they could lose, you know, 14 nothing, and and Huglander could be on the ice for 12 goals against. I still want to talk to him because like I'm going out there to to, to see these guys. So right. uh, it, it'll be good to to get back to Abbotsford. But yeah, I was. I don't know. Just too many things tonight. I couldn't make it out to that thing.
1: Is Pod has Pod Coles, and I assume the answer is yes here. Has he been killing penalties in Abbotsford?
4: Yeah, not as like a, a first guy going out there, but he is he kind of started not he's when he got there he wasn't. Uh then he yeah. got like a little bit of an opportunity, then they kind of stopped for a few games. Uh but now he's out there killing penalties, probably as like the the second Forward, kind of like second group of forwards over over the bench. Like, that's probably where he's at right now. Um, The other guy I would note that actually is killing penalties pretty consistently and kind of has all season long uh, is Linus Carlson, who's been out Hmm. there. And, like, I think people are going to be very surprised when when Linus Carlson does get into the NHL, and I think he will. I don't know if it's going to be this season or next season, but when he gets to the NHL, I think he's going to surprise people with how uh, just... I think people know he's like a smart player and knows where to be on the ice, but he's very physical. And I think that's going to surprise a lot of people when they see Linus Carlson at the NHL level. It's like, wow, this is a, you know, a big, strong, physical suite. Like he's, he's not the typical play on the outside and shoot the puck. This guy, this guy, He's going to bang bodies, and he's kind of like a guy who's pretty annoying after the whistle as well. So I, I'd watch for Linus Carlson. at maybe some point this season. I'd like to see it yeah. uh, at the NHL, to be honest. It's funny. Like We talk about the PK quite a bit, and I still feel like we should talk about it more because
1: it has absolutely killed the Canucks in the last two years. Their penalty killing is dreadful. And when you think about it, when you consider the personnel that's been out there and all the good penalty killers, some of them who have even been kind of maligned in this market, whether it's Louis Erickson or Brandon Sutter or, you know, not maligned but maybe underappreciated at times, Chris Tanev and Alex Edler, like they lose those guys from the PK and the PK goes to you know what, right? And now they need to start developing that next group of players to start killing penalties because if they don't turn that thing around, like you don't have much of a hope of succeeding in the NHL if you're killing less than 70% of your penalties. <laughs> like that you just don't like they they were almost I think they were sub seventy for a lot of last season. And that was with uh Thatcher Demko standing on his head. Like it is it is a major problem, and maybe it's just because it's a little boring to discuss. Like the power play is more exciting to discuss, but until they figure out the PK, like they don't really have a chance of being competitive in the NHL.
4: Yeah, completely. It's something that it's just like. It's been weighing down the Canucks for so long, but it's not. It's almost just like you kind of accept that that's just something that's weighing you down, right? Like that's what it feels like. It's been for for us who cover the Canucks, for those who follow the Canucks, and everything. It just feels like you're not like questioning when's the pa- like penalty kill going to get fixed. You're kind of just like, ah, oh, like the penalty kill sucks. So now with the new coaching staff in here, I think that's something that should be a massive thing to to kind of dive in on, whether it be Adam Foot or, or Mike Yo, whoever's handling that now. You know. You know, Mike Yo was handling it when Bruce Boudreau was here. I'm curious to see if he's still the guy to to work on the penalty kill now that you have an Adam Foot and you know on the bench, or you have Sergey Gonchar around the rink and, and stuff. Like I, it, it's just to me the thing that I always see with them is like the penalty killing forwards are always like they're almost like bumping into each other at the top and. That's not a good look for a <laughs> penalty kill when you're supposed to run like every penalty kills like a diamond formation, right? Like yeah. one guy at the like at the top, one guy by the net and two guys on either side. And, and then I'm like, I'm watching kind of the flow of like a power play happen. And then I see like forwards bumping into each other at the top. And I'm like, how like how there should be one guy up there. Like, you you should be able to take away a lot of things, and then it's just, like, two guys bump into each other, they make a good pass, somebody in the slots wide open. Like, these feel like structure things that can be fixed. And I I don't know if the Canucks have the best even just players to be killing penalties on their roster, but they should be able to do better than what they're doing right now, man. Like, you watch some of these teams, and it's like, you know, I, I think of, like, the Anaheim Ducks, and I'm like, I don't think the Anaheim Ducks have, like, four more... Players in the Canucks do to kill penalties. Like the Canucks should have some players who can kill penalties. I think Elias Pettersson's a great penalty killer. I think Ilya Mikheyev's a great penalty killer. It's just haven't seen them like fit into this group of actually coming together as like a, a four man yeah. unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm interested to see what the new coaching staff can do. I think that should be a massive point of pressure moving forward with the with how the coaching staff kind of adjusts things on this team.
1: Faber, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna read a few texts in, and I just want to brighten your day a little bit. Um, text from Scott. Who is this guy? I like this guy. Bring him on more often. Yes, Chris Faber. <laughs> Here's another one. These all came in in the last two minutes. Jamie, the Squamish contractor. What I've learned, Faber is your best, most consistent guest you have. Always a pleasure to listen to his insight. Have him on more, please. Uh, John from the Big C. I have to say, Faber is one of the best hockey guys You guys have on consistently comes on and gives us great info and insight. This is something that I've been saying for a while now. Um, And keep up the great work. You're working hard. It's always fun to chat with you. Enjoy your busy hockey schedule.
4: Well, that yeah, that means a lot. We didn't even talk prospects. That's where like I feel like I shine, though, boys. Like this is just like we didn't even talk about turtlenecks. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, we didn't even talk about turtlenecks. (laughs) The turtleneck you wore yesterday. We didn't get
0: into your drip from last night. We didn't even
4: get oh, there. dude! i gotta say spencer martin walks by me yesterday and like this is during the shen thing if you watch the shen interview on twitter you can see it like 117 i look over and nod my head because spencer martin walked by and gave me that face where you're like "Ooh," and then he's like the fit and then he walked by that's <laughs> just like i was like oh yeah but like spencer's he, he's great to deal with out there but uh yeah that's those are awesome texts to hear I, and I I don't know if you guys have said this, but like this is what I'm <laughs> un, under the impression of is like I think I'm joining you guys every two weeks now, like uh, exchanging with Murph here at this time slot. So that's really exciting.
1: Yeah, we traded you. Uh, we traded Murph for you. Yeah, we're going younger. Yeah, we're going yeah more drip. <laughs> Murph's got good drip. You've got even better. Hey, thanks for doing this,
0: bud. Uh, enjoy everything this week. We'll talk soon.
4: Uh, thanks a lot, guys. See you uh, in two weeks.
0: Yeah, talk then. Uh, that's Chris Faber from Canucks Army and Canucks Conversation. Faber shows
3: yeah. great potential for
1: future drip. That's the, you're, you're investing mm-hmm. in the future. Yes, right? yes. Murph's on his way down. Right? Honestly, was- I've been telling people behind the scenes, like the powers that be here, is like we need more Faber. He's really good. I got it like. Not only here, here's I the got thing. a fever. Here's the thing the only with Faber. Prescription is more Here's the favor. thing with Faber. He works hard. He watches a lot of hockey. He can bring insight that we can't because we're not watching the Abbotsford Canucks. We're not watching prospects. He t- doesn't take himself too seriously. He's funny when he comes on the air. He's clearly he's got, got a lot great of voice. clearly got a lot of friends that you know, are texting him. The only prescription
2: is more Faber. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There's a future star know.
1: in this market, I'm telling you. God, he's going to take our jobs. Yeah. You know who sucks? Faber. Don't praise <laughs> the machine. Give him a <laughs> drive show. Call it Faber Drive. It writes itself, people. Don't <laughs> praise huh. the machine. Isn't
0: that a band? Okay, that's correct. To, good, good one, reference. Uh, once again, we all need to focus. Okay, this isn't Why? about Faber Drive. Okay, <laughs> it's not what this show is about. We are here to talk about sports and get yelled at by our listeners. Uh, we got a lot more to get to on the program. Speaking of our listeners, you people have a chance. Yes, you people have a chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Canucks play the Blue Jackets and Nick Blankenberg on Friday night at Rogers Arena, because it's what we learned time. Even if you don't win the tickets, uh, text to WWL to 650-650, add a ticket emoji. Even if you don't win the tickets, you can still get your What We Learned read on the air. It's your chance to be on the radio. That's a nice consolation prize. Okay? So bottom line, tell us what you learned over the last 24 hours in sports. Hashtag it WWL. Text to 650-650. That is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Put a ticket emoji in. Your chance to win a pair of tickets. That's all coming up next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.
4: You're really talking about boosting your prospect pool from bottom of the league to likely somewhere in the middle of the league. Like, just from those three trades there, what you're going to get in return is a massive boost. What a freaking boost.
1: Now for my favorite part of the show. Well, that's a talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead.
0: 8.34 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff, of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three of the program. It's the final hour. We're halfway through it. I know it's such, such sorrow to part, but we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, hour three of the program is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at Campbell-Pound.com today. Have we decided to collectively punt on our what we learned? Bruff has decided. Yes, Bruff has made the call. Mm-hmm. Okay, so no Halbro what we learned today, but that's fine. We got a lot of user submissions. Not surprisingly, we have a lot of user submissions on a day where we're giving out Canucks tickets. Canucks, Blue Jackets, seven o'clock, Rogers Arena, Friday. If you want tickets to Friday's game, hashtag them WWL. Text to the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650, and uh, it's your chance to be on the radio and win tickets. Go ahead, Jason.
1: Cam, formerly in Langley, what we learned, I learned that the guy in the turtleneck standing next to Kuzmenko during his post-game availability was, in fact, not his Russian translator. That was Faber. Does Faber have a gold chain that he could bring into the mix? Yeah,
3: I I have a history to that. He told me off the air. He purchased one. With diamond-encrusted ones from a knockoff website. Mm-hmm. And, nice. And just to, just to fit the look. Right. And, uh, We've talked about this
0: It looks. Before. It works. In our slow dissension into, like, caring less and less about, we look, we're like, we should become tracksuit guys. Yeah. Well, now, become.
1: You, you're there, buddy.
0: The iconic look is the gold chain outside of mm-hmm. the tracksuit, or, as I do the audio. Right. Didn't work. Didn't okay. zip as well as I thought. You have the zipper down on your tracksuit. Right. I feel it's like explode. you
1: can pull off the clock.
0: I, yeah. A big clock. Play Run DMC. Play yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 Run DMC. You need some unlaced Adidas, Yeah.
0: Too. I'm I'm going to get there. But I think I'm going to become... I'm either going to become a, a jewelry guy around the neck, so like drip, or mm. a pinky ring guy.
2: I've ordered a large gold chain where the words have Frosted Flakes... A big cereal advertisement,
1: and people will be like, "Is that like? Is that does that mean drugs?" You're like, "No, just the cereal." I really Um, like Frosted Flakes. That's a man that likes his cereal. Uh, Luke and Abbot's for what we learned: the Canucks have at minimum three trades to make to restock their prospect pool, and they will probably make one of them. This team is consistent at one thing: disappointing their beleaguered fans. And Luke doesn't want the tickets. Well, you're not getting them. (laughs) Problem solved. Can you imagine um, how different we'd feel about the prospect group if the Canucks were to get a first-round draft pick as part of the Bo Horvat uh, trade and a first-round draft pick for, say, Kuzmenko?
0: Yeah, I want to g- 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 go back on this because I mentioned this earlier in the show, and then we had a couple people pushing back, including Diener, uh, who I respect as a anti-authoritarian figure, and he gave me a heads-up on a good pizza oven to buy. But anyway... Um, <laughs>
2: That's important to mention. On the I got air. it. And he's right. He was totally right. Anyway. Um,
0: this guy knows his pizza. He ovens. knows his pizza. He's, he's right. He was totally right. Um, please stop looking at it as we're trading away all our good players on lottery tickets in the draft. For example, Montreal and Ken Hughes. And I admire the job that Montreal did this offseason. Montreal and Ken Hughes traded Alexander Romanov for the 13th overall pick then took that 13th overall pick and turned it into Kirby Dock. These, these moves exist. Mm-hmm. Other NHL teams do them. It doesn't, it's not even that complicated. You just have to think a little bit outside the box that if you get the pick... It doesn't mean you have to
1: do the pick. I'm laughing because I don't want them to think outside the box. I want them to draft players. And I get that. I want them to draft players in the first round that we can get excited about. So we're not in this position again in five or six years. We go like, why do we have any prospects? Is it because we haven't drafted any of the guys?
0: And I, I kind of look at it and I'm like, well, if you want to make a play for Alexis Lafreniere, maybe that's an option when you have a bunch of draft capital at your disposal. Uh, speaking
1: of first round picks, McKenzie and Langley, what we learned, Patrick Kane is still worth a first round pick in his late 30s he is still fun to watch um here's a question that i have for you guys and the listeners is he the best stick handler ever patrick kane yes
0: i saw him I think at, at the all-star game in columbus they had the skills competition
1: where over they had over dadsook Dad yeah, yeah i mean they're both i mean well mcdavid's incredible stick handler. i'm saying right? note to He's all of that
3: i'm going with alex kovalev yeah, Colelev yeah, was, was one too. incredible till.
0: Yeah. They had like a, a row of I don't know 10 pucks on the ice. Mm-hmm. And there was about I don't know an inch between each puck. Like <laughs> no. It actually didn't look like a puck could fit between the two pucks. <laughs> and Kane ripped through it so fast mm-hmm. and not a single puck was jostled out of position. Yeah, you can find YouTube videos of him him going It's doing crazy. It's I mean, it is really remarkable, but there's a there's a lot of guys in that conversation. I just
2: my main remem- memory of Datsuk cuz I can't remember which All-Star game it was, but one of the players got interviewed in, during the game and he was like Datsuk is the only player like in the league, at least at that time, that every other player at the All-Star game would stop what they were doing right. and watch him. Yeah, like he would. He was appointment viewing just because he could do things
1: nobody else could do with the puck. The
0: clip yeah. where he like literally murders Logan Couture on the ice. Like he makes him fall down so badly. You he didn't see... actually
1: literally murder him. Though. He
0: did. No, he did. You could see <laughs> Couture's soul Logan leave still his body. Yeah, well. <laughs> he was just twitching on yeah, the no, ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sent him to like his another... poor family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's what happens when he go up against Pavel oh, yeah. Datsyuk. He's a silent ridiculous. assassin. And then Kovalev, the uh, Alexei Kovalev and One mixtape that's available, where he's just doing a bunch shooting
3: of- with one hand and ripping it top corner. Yeah, that's that's pretty. He good.
0: was taking, he was doing those one handed. I think from almost center ice and lofting it onto the top of the net. It was, it's pretty crazy.
1: Uh, basketball, Phil. What we learned, and believe it or not, it's about basketball. Hey. What we learned: the NBA All Star Game will now have a live player draft thirty minutes before the game starts. It will be great theater. And is a fun idea. It is a fun idea. Yeah. Playground style. They tried that in the NHL and people were like, Phil Kessel's feelings got hurt.
0: But this one is right before. It's playground style. Like, you line up at recess. Mm -hmm. You pick your teams and then you go play.
1: And you go last.
0: Yeah. Like, I'm Phil Kessel.
1: Andy, do you have any – because, like, like, I'm not picking on you because you've said earlier, like, I was not a good athlete. Do you oh, have yeah, any was, memories of oh, being, like, the last pick?
2: Well, first of all, I usually didn't partake in those games because I knew what was going to happen. <laughs> You're like, I'll <laughs> go to a hockey sack game <laughs> yeah. over here. Well, hacky sack is my speed. I could do that. But, you right. know, if I was forced into sports other than hockey – hockey, I was okay at. But if mm-hmm. I was forced into sports other than hockey, I was like, this is going to end What do you horribly. think is your
1: – what is your worst sport? Baseball. Baseball? Oh,
2: baseball was a comedy of errors. I was bad at every <laughs> aspect of that game. I couldn't nice. do anything.
3: Yet everyone likes to make fun of baseball players and how easy it looks. Like mm. basketball, I was passable. Mm. Laddie, keep your... If I remember playing interested. rugby, being passable at that. Mm, Andy. Baseball,
2: the worst. <laughs> Just the worst.
0: <laughs> what sports were you the worst at? All of them.
2: Well, baseball especially.
1: Um... Okay, Laddie always grinds the axe every time, like we bring up anything about baseball. I quietly, we get yeah. it. You like baseball only because you
3: rip on me every single time I bring up anything baseball related. So it goes. Yeah. It goes both ways. Would well, you
1: want to talk about Scott Rowland going into? I the do actually. Hall of Fame? I know yes. you do. <laughs>
3: yes. In fact, I already regret
0: asking you <laughs> Blue about Blue Jays him. legend Scott Rowland, the only guy to make the Hall of Fame this year. Um, I quietly respect uh, Laddie's very subtle airing of the grievances.
1: He just he waits and he waits. And then Bide my happens. time. Uh, uh, what we okay. learned, unsigned text, just the look of talkett and foot's mean mugs behind our bench will scare opposing teams. They look like two guys I would not want to mess with, lol. They should be wearing gold chains behind the bench. That yes. would be awesome. Yeah. Right. Adam Foot. <laughs> Adam Foote looks like he's gone through some stuff. Like, yeah.
0: he, like I, I don't mean like He's a tough I just dude, mean physically. Man. Like he looks like he's fought a lot of people. Dude, talking to him. It's funny because I have heard fairly um useful hockey people, knowledgeable hockey people readily admitting that physical stature and
1: presence actually means something. Do you think a player, do you think a team plays to the um identity of what how their coach if their coach is a former player? Like I watch Carolina play and they are so good defensively, like they're so responsible. Well, Rod Brindemore's. Their head coach, and he I, was a Selkie winner. He was one of the best two-way forwards we've ever seen in this game.
0: He still looks jacked.
1: Like Bruce Boudreaux, when he was a player, he could score a lot of goals, but the reason he didn't have a lengthy NHL career was, you know, defensively wasn't wasn't there.
0: I think there's something to be like said. Like Sheldon
1: Drys is going out there and fighting in yeah. the first game that Rick Tockett. PD, laying open
2: ice
0: hits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think there's something to be said for adopting the personality of your coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that comes across in the individual relationships that he builds is he doesn't offer this sort of ethos or idea to the team but he speaks to each guy individually and that probably re- it
2: probably revs him up a little bit. Burrows body the right? guy in his own end. I'm sure talk was like all right, there we go.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, one of the things that, that we didn't mention was a great hit by Burroughs. Yeah, yeah. he flattened Yeah, him. One that of the things we hit. didn't mention off the hop was a, a talk at quote from yesterday was he talked about um might have been a little bit too much perimeter plays. Like you know, you try and play like the Russian five and zip it around the outside. Mm-hmm. I want more guys, more net front presence. And then he said, and I got it in the at the, at the end of the game because the Joshua goal and the Dry's goal were both
1: kind of jam plays in front of the net. Well, you know, one of the things I really like about Kuzmenko, people will point out his skill and his hands and his in his vision, but like I like the fact that he's he'll go to the net. Like how many goals have just been scored from right there? No, a lot of them have been from nice passes on the power play. You know, like either Petey Petey or or JT Miller uh, will give them a nice pass. And those aren't necessarily the ones I'm talking about. I'm talking about just going to the net and realizing, hey, I'm probably going to get cross-checked or something here, but this is where goals are scored, so this is where I'm going to be. Unsigned text, but I
0: applaud it because this is the dad joke of the day. So, Gary, kudos to you. Hashtag WW. what we learned. I've learned that the Canucks have consistently been wrong with their handling of roster moves and coaching changes. Okay. But they can make things right by trading Bo to the Seattle Kraken.
1: Right, and I bet right is spelled with a W. You got it. You're dad
0: joke guy now. That's good. Yeah. I, I'll i ask you, Where are you, I think I know the answer, but where are you on the possibility,
1: if Shane Wright was to be made available, where are you on that? You know what's funny about it is that I would be like, Here's a red flag. Shane Wright has been made available. Yeah, it's hard not to look at it that way. <laughs> I don't and know, yet, at the you... same time, I'd be like, "Yeah, but you're talking about a guy who's still a teenager who was the fourth overall pick in the draft, and a lot of people thought was going to go first overall. How could I? How could I possibly not want that? How could this possibly go wrong,
3: yeah.
1: Laddie? What do you
0: think, Shane Wright? Are you on board, or is it a red flag?
3: I think it's like." The the example Jeff Baker gave us in his interview with uh, Barzell. He he came up, didn't show very well in his first experience in the NHL. They sent him back to junior. It's been done before. I think most people would
1: take Matt Barzell right now on the Canucks. Yeah, but here's the thing. The Islanders didn't trade Barzell. And the Kraken haven't traded right. But I'm always just like, I'd always be like, for that very reason, I'd be like, what do they know that... You don't know. you are
3: relying on your scouts, I think, a heavy, fair amount to, to get an idea of what Shane Wright's yeah. all about because he was one of those guys in the draft where the scouts didn't have a really good look at him. But it's it's tough. You know, I, I'm always of the side, you just stockpile these these types mm-hmm. of players. Like, here, here's seasons. one Why for, not? for
0: you um, Quentin Byfield in LA. Yeah, another yeah. one. Yeah. Like it hasn't really worked out great, and LA has aspirations now. Right. That I mean, that's that's a team that if they're going to add at the deadline, they're going to add because they want to make a push now because they feel like they're close.
3: And teams understand you need to give up quality to get quality back. It's just how it works. But are
0: you uh, throwing up red flags at Byfield because he's on a team where you theoretically should be able to produce? Yes. Got a lot of talent. So Were you brand-
1: impressed with him and the juniors when you watched him play? Or did you probably not
0: watch him that Closely, I, I mean, I, I watched him. I I kind of went w- oddly enough. I kind of walked away from it the same way with Shane Wright. I'm like, yeah. I think there's a player there, but it certainly did. And I mean, this year's tournament was always under the shadow
1: of Connor Bedard. Like, yeah. well,
0: that's what a superstar looks like.
1: And granted, I Halford or I will like, well, granted, like Halford and I admit, like we're not hardcore prospects guys. So we're just going from like, not casual fan, but like watching the games where we impressed. Like Shane Wright, yeah, he scored a nice goal in the gold medal game. But overall, I wasn't, I wasn't like, wow. Shane Wright, there were a bunch of other guys that I I was way more impressed with. And some of that had to do with, well, obviously Bedard was one of them, but others others were like the older guys, like Gunther was 19 years old. Stankoven was 19 years old, right? It's the Stankoven. Right? Like I I liked the games that those guys had. The one that that really confuses me is Lafreniere, because I remember watching him in the World Juniors, and not only was he going to go – you know, first overall, I was like, "This guy's gonna, this guy's can't miss." Well, not about, to be generational, but he's just gonna be a player. And for whatever reason, hasn't worked for him in New York so about, far.
0: What about Capo Caco? He was the number two overall pick in his draft class. The yeah. Number three overall guy was Kirby Doc. Chicago made the decision to move on from Doc, so it's not like out of the realm of possibility that Caco could be moved elsewhere. Are we red flagging that? Because the reason I'm asking about all these different guys is because uh, one. We have seen a tendency in recent years for NHL teams to cut bait with guys earlier and earlier and not give them fourth and fifth and sixth bites at the apple Mm -hmm. teams do it. The other thing is Jim Rutherford has kind of identified these types of players as the ones that they're going to be targeting guys that have had, I mean, Kirby doc just played his 200th NHL game last night. Yeah, That was his 200th game. So it's not like he's completely unproven in the league. He's played the equivalent of two and a half seasons and a team already decided to move on from him. These guys are ready now at 22, 23, 24 for their second opportunity in some cases. But you also got to wonder at 22, 23, 24, is there more upside for you as a player? Are you going to change as a player? Do we already know what you are? That's a really difficult thing to do. And that's what Rutherford and company are trying to do.
1: Adam, the former bath guy, what we learned, I learned that I need the tickets for Friday night so I can take my daughter and embarrass her on the awkward dad dance camera. I didn't even know there was a dad dance camera.
0: There is. I've seen it. I saw it at the last game I went to, uh, the Sharks game on the 27th. There was mm-hmm. a lot of dancing dads. It was around the holidays. Right. A couple days after Christmas, the libations were flowing. Right. I think there was a couple dads that cut loose that night.
1: Uh, Cam, formerly in Langley, by the way, he won the tickets. Congratulations, so. Cam. So congratulations to, all, uh, to also Adam, the former bath guy's daughter, who won't have her dad embarrass her in public. Big winners. So awkward everyone, dad dance camera.
0: Everyone's a winner today. That guy's daughter, that guy, all those guys.
1: And uh, Cam formerly in Langley, his what we learned was, I learned that the guy in the turtleneck standing next to Kuzmenko during his post-game avail- availability was, in fact, not his Russian translator. Mm. Um, for some reason, this seems appropriate to say that uh, Kuzmenko's agent, Dan Milstein, <laughs> will be talking with Donnie and Dolly yes later today, and I'll be curious what he has to say. Like, Are they working on a contract right now? That's
0: what we're going to find out today. In the, in the piece that I alluded to earlier, uh, Pierre LeBron at The Athletic, mm-hmm. it was written about a week and a half ago, so it's a little out of date. But he said they hadn't begun contract extension talks yet, but they were planning to in the near future. So maybe that's right now. Maybe that's why Milstein's going on. Donnie and Dolly, after going on Twitter last night, tweeting out bags of money.
1: If they're if they're set on re-signing Kuzmenko, and I'm not saying they are, but, but let's say they are. Okay. And let's say Milstein comes on, on today and says, yeah, we're, we've been talking contract. Do they have an obligation to at least go and check the market for Kuzmenko? And be like, how much could we get for this guy? Got to. Do you think they will have to do you think sometimes teams get so laser focused on like we want to do this like we 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 pitched Kuzmenko coming to Vancouver. He's been good. That was a win for our organization. We want to keep him in the organization. I'm not even going to look at what we could get for this guy.
0: Maybe they already have with the amount right now with the amount of uh, assistant general managers, I feel like you'd hear
1: more about it. I feel like you'd hear like we hear Horvat's name is out there. Horvat's name is out there. Here are the teams that are interested in. And that's because I'm sure Jim Rutherford and Patrick Galvin have been having these conversations with other teams. Have we heard Kuzmenko's name is out there? I don't think so. They
0: have enough. We've in- heard Luke
1: Shen's name is out there.
0: We have enough assistant general managers on staff here in Vancouver. You think one of them could take you do that part. Mm-hmm. Float it out there. Teams could be also calling. Right? That's always the... They're getting the voicemail? Well, it's the semantics. Believe it or not,
2: Jim isn't at home. (laughs) Don't you remember... Hi,
1: you've reached the Vancouver Canucks. We're in a bit of a crisis right now, so if you'll just leave your name and number, we'll get back to you in three or four days. Press one if you have
2: cap space. (laughs) 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 They press two, just the dial tone. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) We have no voicemail. (laughs) <laughs> hello
1: hello no we got nothing <laughs> please read what we learned i'm, I'm crying laughing
3: <laughs> uh, what we learned did you guys know the st louis blues have the worst save percentage in the entire league
1: i
0: i remember uh the other day when bennington got yanked from yet another <laughs> he's an game he's gonna eat 91 this yeah year. and then uh, who is it oh grice is the back of right the goal yeah. yeah And i it's... remember a couple of the st louis blues twitter trying to talk itself into thomas grice might be the solution so stop
3: lamenting about delia and martin you guys it could be a lot worse what are, the Blues,
0: what are the Blues going to do? Where is Ryan O'Reilly going to end up? Because I feel like that's going to somehow play into the Bo Horvat trade value. And Why are they I, always I being compared? I don't. To... Well, oh, it's poor Bo. It's just because they're going to be available at the same time. I, know. I don't like putting him in the same conversation. Like, O'Reilly's accomplished a lot. But it, for the purposes of this exercise, free agents pending, going into the trade deadline with not a lot of other high-impact centers available, they're gonna be the bells of the what's, ball. What's right? going on with
2: O'Reilly? Like t- he's, ten having goals terrible, 37 he's having a terrible games? year.
3: What what is happening?
0: Uh I think it's been really discombobulated in St. Louis all year. Yeah. Remember they got off to that horrific start and then they kind of bounced back, but it only really got them to five hundred.
1: You know t- you, you know you know who didn't look all that impressive last night and I didn't really notice? Jonathan Taves.
0: Yeah, I yeah, I don't know what Taves is gonna fetch somebody. Or what Taves is going to cost somebody at the you deadline. Look
1: gassed, actually. Are they going to have to just, um, lo- if anyone wants him, like it's hard to see, even if the Blackhawks were to retain half his cap hit, that's still a $5 million cap hit. For a third-line center
0: at this point, I would say.
1: So would you have to launder it through Anaheim or Arizona probably. or the Cayman Islands or whatever, how they're going to do this? Ah, uh,
0: yes, the Caymans. Uh, you Yeah, you'd probably need to knock it down to... Two and a half mil. Is it worth it to do all that for Jonathan Taves? That's a great question. Right? And then you, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's enough an emotional attachment to like Winnipeg or something for all parties to make it work. But to me, it's you know, if you're that invisible uh, in that kind of game, then it does put a few red flags up there. We've had a lot of red flags on the show today. Uh, you know what else? We've run out of time on the show today. That's what the music suggests. So we're out of here for today, but we will be back. Tomorrow. It's been a fun show. Thank you all for listening. Signing off, I have been Mike Halford, he's been Jason Bruff, he's been A Dog, and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet six fifty.